Welcome back to Gentleman, redefining manhood in the 21st century. My name is Arjuna. I'm your host. I'm really enjoying doing this podcast again, so I really appreciate you for showing up and listening. It brings me a lot of joy to make this, and I feel a lot of mission around it. Thank you for your support. Even just listening to this makes a big difference. So today I want to talk about being beautiful. And I want to speak specifically in the context of men being beautiful and feeling their beauty. This is something that has been a long time coming in my life, this thought process around men and beauty. And it came to the front of my mind again recently because I was going out to dinner with my partner, who's a woman. She came around the corner and she looked beautiful. She was dressed up. She had a dress with a little cardigan over it. She had some makeup on, some jewelry, and it was clear that she'd just spent some time making herself look beautiful. And I was struck by this interesting mix of emotions. I mean, a lot of it was just witnessing her and being in the joy of how incredible she looked and sharing that with her. But there was this other part of me that had this deep envy. I noticed that in myself, I was having this feeling of envy and it was around wishing that I could look beautiful like that, wishing that I could wear those clothes, wishing that I could celebrate my body in that way, like she was doing. And I said something like this to her. I said, wow, I, I love how you look. I wish that I could do that too. And she said, well, you can. Why not? You're already comfortable wearing dresses sometimes. And, you know, why don't you just add the jewelry and makeup if you want? Why don't you just do it up? And I, I came up against this edge in me. I came up against my own internalized misogyny, really. My own internalized notion of a constricted manhood. A manhood in which it's not okay to show up in that way. It's not okay to beautify yourself to that degree. So this was just one example in my life recently where I've come up against it. But in the broader picture of my life, I've struggled. I've struggled to decorate my body. I've struggled to buy myself clothes that feel really good to me. I've struggled aesthetically, whether it's haircuts, picking glasses that I like, shoes, all different kinds of clothes, coats, scarves. I've been noticing myself wanting to decorate my body more and wanting to decorate my space more, wanting to be in a room in an environment that feels nicer, that has a more aesthetic sensibility about it. And this stuff is so close to home. It hits so close to our sense of ourselves, of who we are. So it can be difficult to pass out sometimes. Why am I having trouble with my style? Or when I look in the mirror, why am I not as pleased as I would like to be about how I look? Now, some of this is not controllable or less controllable, stuff like aging, maybe any skin condition we have or the weight of our body or some feature that we have that we don't like very much. But a lot of this is enculturated. Obviously, women's bodies have been under a lot of scrutiny for their weight in the US culture, for example, has been the topic of a lot of important social discourse. And that plugs into so many other areas as well. But focusing on men, 
a lot of men uh, currently feeling dysphoria about their bodies because they've seen these images of really muscular men. And there's this concept being put forward of an ideal male body being very trimmed, very cut, having a lot of lean muscle. And so there are a lot of men currently feeling left out because their bodies don't look like that or because their bodies are unlikely to look like that or it would take too much work to look like that. These are some of the more salient examples of how this plays out, but there's a broader picture to this that I want to talk about, and that is the general lack of aesthetic sensibility in men's lives. I've been noticing more keenly aware of how women in my culture are socialized to pay attention to beauty. And that includes interior decoration, it includes their bodies, even things like smells, having nice smells on themselves or in their environment, things like the outdoors, having a nice looking yard, a nice looking house, stuff like this. I'm wondering why is it a woman thing? Why isn't this something that men get to celebrate as well? Why isn't this something that men focus on as much? Now, I just want to say for the record that there's a shadow side to this, of course. A lot of women feel immense pressure to do these things. They feel pressure to decorate their bodies. They feel pressure to have a clean home. They feel pressure to meet aesthetic standards of their culture or their friends or their community. So I don't want to talk about this just in a positive light. I know that it creates a lot of stress, a lot of undue stress for women. But I do want to explore the positive aspects of this as well, with the idea that when someone is decorating their body or their environment in a relaxed way because they want to, because they're excited about it, because they're finding self-expression, because they take pleasure in the beauty of their body, and they want to draw attention to it, they want to accentuate it, they want to express themselves, their personality, through clothes and through the way that they decorate. And when this is coming from a happy place, from a healthy place, it can be such an incredible part of self-care, and it can be a wonderful affirmation of an individual person's desire to show up in the world and to be seen. And using clothing and using jewelry, using nice things in our environment, art, for example, furniture, these can be ways that we express ourselves and that other people see our sensibilities, other people see what's important to us. Other people get a glimpse into the way that we see the world and what we find beautiful what we find interesting, the kind of world that we would like to live in, the kind of environment that we would like to be surrounded with. So I'm noticing how little of this men are encouraged to do and encouraged to engage in and encouraged to value in the culture that I grew up in. Men in my culture are expected to care little about this, and it shows. They tend to dress quite simply a lot of the times it's pants and a shirt, maybe some shorts, a coat. Maybe a man cares more about how he looks and so he has a nicer haircut and he wears fancier clothes, maybe a suit or a nice watch, something like that. But it's really uncommon 
to find men who, for example, wear necklaces, multiple necklaces, or a bracelet. How many men do you see wearing a bracelet in the U.S. or in white Western culture in general? Very few. How many men do you see wearing multiple rings, wearing makeup, wearing eyeliner? Men are generally expected to dress simply and somewhat plainly and take a professional environment. There's quite a limited palette of colors that you expect to see a man wearing in a professional environment. Usually it's a suit in some shade of gray or black or maybe navy blue, brown. Colors that don't jump out and that aren't super eye-catching. And there are also standards that women are held to professionally, but I noticed that women tend to be allowed a little bit broader range of colors. Women are also allowed to wear some brighter colors, maybe some yellows or pinks or bright reds. So if we compare the, the color palette, men are generally working with a narrower range of colors that are acceptable to wear. And the styles and cuts of their clothing are more limited. I notice sometimes when I go shopping for men's clothes, there's a depressing limitation on what I can get. There are so few clothing archetypes that I have access to. You know, it's basically like, do I want a long t-shirt? Do I want a sweater? Do I want a button-up shirt? That's kind of about it. What else do I even have access to? And, and on the bottom, it's just pants, pants and shorts, right? Pants and shorts, that's all I get. There's so little variety. It's so spartan. When I think about the range of clothes that I could wear, what I'm encouraged to wear is so narrow in comparison. And then don't even get me started on talking about interior design and housing. How many men do you know that have a really keen eye for interior decoration? How many men enter adulthood with an assessment of what's a good interior color for a room with west-facing windows? How many men do you see furniture shopping and getting really fine-grained about what they're looking for. Most men are in and out. You know, I need a cabinet, and I couldn't find one on the curb, so I had to go to Ikea and get one. I got whatever was the cheapest one that looked fine and looked like it was going to fit the stuff I want to put in it. Men don't spend a lot of time thinking about this stuff, and oftentimes they'll go into a man's room and his walls will be bare, barren white walls. Maybe there's a few posters up. Maybe there'll be a shelf with some trophies on it or, you know, a, a simple smattering of decoration. But there's a really pronounced difference in the amount of emphasis that men are supposed to place on this kind of stuff. So why is that? Let's get into that. Why is it that men are not encouraged to explore this? One of the obvious answers is that it's considered to be a woman's thing. And so men doing it is kind of going against the gender norm. It's being girly, it's being womanly. That's the easy level one answer. But I want to go deeper into this because I think that there's a lot more beneath the surface of this. At the heart of it, I believe it comes down to the fundamental concept of what a man is and what a man is supposed to be. In our current male-dominant cultural paradigm, the concept of man is the concept of a human doing. A man has to be doing things. The typical assessment for what a man is, is a unit of production. Men are supposed to be making money. They're supposed to be doing labor. They're supposed to be producing something. 
These pursuits are typically very utilitarian. They're supposed to be producing resources, whether it's money or food, maybe making lumber, getting other materials for building. There's a lot of moving stuff, organizing stuff. And so you notice in all of these words, there's very little room or need for beauty. Another big branch of male expression and male purpose comes from the military and military pursuits. Men over the millennia have been visualized as well in this warrior way. And this goes very, very deep in the culture, by the way. It's not as simple as, oh, well, did you, were you in the military? Did you serve? Are you a police officer or, or in an adjacent career? It's not nearly this simple. It's embedded in the very fundament of what a man is supposed to be is the capacity, at least, to be a warrior and the capacity to serve in a military role or in a combative role. And so men grow up militarized. This filters into many aspects of the culture and women are affected by it as well. Everybody is affected by it in the way that society is structured and the expectations that are placed on people. You notice this in cultures that are more heavily militarized. You see more organization. You see more organizational structures that resemble the military, whether it's schools, universities, the way government institutions are structured, the way law is practiced. The military auspices at the root of a culture have a profound effect on the design and the structure of that culture. And so men feel this in particular. And again, the military aesthetic is it's all function. There's very little form involved. There's very little emphasis on beautification. Men in the military get their hair chopped off. They all wear the same clothes. The clothes are rugged. They're designed to be durable. They're designed to get covered in dirt. And while there is a certain fashion to a military aesthetic, which also affects the culture. I'm not saying that there's no thought given to aesthetics in the military. There are certain iconic looks that are influenced by military gear. But the military fundamentally is not an aesthetic organization. And so you see these common themes where men's clothes are their military clothes or their uniforms or they are work clothes, maybe outdoor clothes. Clothing for manual laborers, which is why they tend to take certain shapes that are designed to be easy to take off and put on again. They're often a little bit baggy, give you room to move. They are often made of a more durable fabric. They're often made in colors that are going to tolerate getting dirty a little better. If you wear dark colors, then stains... And discolorations are going to be less easy to see, especially over time. A mini skirt or a cocktail dress might be a wonderful form-fitting garment, but it's going to do nothing for you if you are working in a field or if you're working on a construction site. So these are some of the foundational influences on the clothes that men wear. And they give you some clue as to the supposed purpose of men in culture. And so if you compare this to women's clothes, a lot of women's clothes are designed to be form-fitting. They're designed to reveal the body or highlight aspects of the body, show off the body. 
the fabric is often thinner. The fabric is often designed to be more pleasing to the touch and to all of the senses. And so this gives a clue as to the supposed role of women in society, which is to look good and be pleasing, to be providing the aesthetic sheen in the society, so to speak. So this is another aspect of this divide. Another thing I want to focus on as well, which I think is a bit easier to miss in this conversation, is the way in which bodies are experienced or celebrated. And there's a lot here, so I can't go really deeply into it. But one of the things that I'm noticing is how men and male bodies are neglected when it comes to the emotional expression, when it comes to sensuousness, when it comes to the internal and feeling part of human expression. And so what am I really talking about here? I'm talking about the way that men feel in their bodies and the way that men are encouraged to inhabit their bodies. Men are encouraged to inhabit their bodies in very active ways. They're encouraged to work. You notice that in a work environment, men are encouraged to be very active. That carries over into their free time and their leisure activities as well. Men are always encouraged to be very active. They're encouraged to be using their bodies in a very utilitarian way. And so men aren't encouraged to take pleasure in their bodies. They are not encouraged to have a rich internal life. Men are not encouraged to be spending their time focusing on looking nice. Men are not encouraged to sink into their feeling selves. And so when we talk about decorating the body, when we talk about spending time in front of a mirror, when we talk about self-care, when we talk about things like skin care, even things like getting a haircut, for men, it's supposed to be quick, easy, simple, efficient, short. And we're really missing this deeper dimensionality of men's relationships with their bodies. So what happens when you start decorating the body, when you start celebrating the body? You start to become more aware of your internal self. You start to make decisions based not on what you need to do, but on how you would like to feel. You start to make decisions based on pleasure. And if men are not supposed to experience pleasure, except in very narrow circumstances and very rigid environments then men won't feel a desire to get into these dimensions. So what I tend to see more often is that pleasure and bodily comfort are more marketed towards women. And even though that can manifest in problematic ways and marketing is ultimately trying to take advantage of everybody, but it does encourage women to spend more time in their bodies and more time thinking about their bodies and hopefully more time decorating and appreciating their bodies. Let's talk more about being beautiful. And as I'm recording this, I'm having trouble staying focused because there are so many different aspects of this that I want to piece out and that I want to focus on and that merit their own conversation. So 
This is really not a simple topic. It's so uh, it it's at the intersection of so many different parts of society. But before I go here, I want to spend a little bit more time talking about beauty, about being beautiful. Another reason that men are not supposed to be beautiful is because beauty is associated with goodness. It's associated with kindness. It's associated with sweetness and gentleness. And these are things that men are not supposed to be. Men are not celebrated, by and large, for being those things. They are more celebrated for being productive, for being powerful, for being wealthy, for getting things done on a big scale, or even on any scale. So the supposition is that if a man is spending a lot of time, or maybe even most of his time, on looking good, or being pretty, the supposition is that he's not getting, he's not doing enough, or he's vain. He's spending too much time focused on trivial things that don't matter, and he's moving away from male strength. So again, this is getting into the fundamental idea of what states men should be in, and how they should behave, and what they should value, and how they should act. So if you reverse engineer this, the more time men spend on looking nice, the more time that men spend focusing on making beauty and making beautiful environments, the more time that men spend thinking about how they feel and how their environment and the way that they look and what they wear makes them feel, the more time they spend feeling, the more time they spend being in touch with themselves and their bodies. And this creates a transformation on a subtle level, which becomes quite profound. Generally as well, when you start to think about your body more and you start to think about your feelings more, especially as it relates to your outward manifestation and the way you look, then you start moving differently in the world. You start to become a bit more conscious about yourself and the space that you're taking up and how you're moving, how you're expressing yourself, how you're interacting with other people. When you wear a new outfit or even just a new pair of shoes or some new sunglasses that you've got, you're suddenly thinking about yourself. You're thinking about that part of your body. You're thinking about, oh, are people looking at it? Are people appreciating this? Are people thinking about it? So you develop more self-awareness. So I really encourage men to start thinking about this more and to put more time and more effort into it. I want to share a story about this because it really illustrated this for me how deep this goes and the power of it. I was with an ex-partner who was quite perceptive and she realized that on some level I was grappling with this and maybe that I had some unmet desires around clothing and my body. She was always gently encouraging me to go clothes shopping with her and just wanting to spend more time in that environment with me. And I was really resistant I was very unconscious about it. I didn't really know why I didn't want to do it. I just had this feeling of no. But she kept gently encouraging me to do it. And so eventually we did. We went clothes shopping. And it was a very, it was a trip that I think would feel very mundane for a lot of people and probably especially a lot of women. Where we went to the mall, we went to a few different shops. I tried on some clothes ended up buying a number of different items and I brought them home and the whole thing was probably a couple of hours. It probably lasted a couple of hours. And I noticed 
throughout this that I felt so uncomfortable. I was so anxious in my body. And when I was in the dressing room, I remember trying things on and just feeling really bad about myself. I felt really bad about how I felt in my body, how I was looking. I felt really out of touch with my body and I felt really out of touch with what I actually wanted to look like and what I wanted to feel like. It was really confronting and it was extremely uncomfortable. And when we got home, I actually had a meltdown. I started crying and I just felt really overwhelmed. It brought so much up for me. It brought up my childhood. I grew up quite poor. And so a majority of the clothes that I wore in my childhood were hand-me-downs. They usually had holes in them or there was something else wrong with them. There was kind of some reason why I ended up with them. It wasn't just because someone had a nice pair of pants that they wanted me to have. So I would have a nice pair of pants. It wasn't like that. There was usually some problem which resulted in me getting something. So that was part of it. But also there was this, this broader feeling of denial in my life, a feeling of wanting and not being able to have, and a feeling of vulnerability around that, which I think is why I avoided for so long buying new clothes and thinking about it. In my early adulthood, I rationalized it to myself by saying I just didn't really have the money. I didn't want to spend the money on my appearance. But when I got a little bit older and I got further along in my career and started making more money, I didn't have that excuse anymore. But I still had this internalized sense of I don't want to do that. I don't want to spend time on it. I don't want to think about it. And when I started thinking about it more, and when I started buying more clothes and paying more attention to how I felt in my clothes, I started to realize how unhappy I was in my body. And I started to realize how vulnerable I felt. There were a number of other issues such as my health, some physical health issues and some mental and emotional health issues that it started to highlight for me. And then there was the matter of social issues. It reinforced for me some of my social anxieties. It also brought up some gender stuff for me that I was maybe not feeling quite ready to look at yet. I also felt in some way a little bit of a rebellion against the dominant culture. There was some amount of, fuck you, I don't want to have to look like everyone else looks, or I don't want to have to conform to these standards that other people have. Which is true, I still feel that way. But I also wasn't doing the work of coming up with something new, or coming up with something original, or something subversive, right? And the truth underneath that, the truth underneath that pain that I was feeling was that I actually did want to have nice clothes. I actually do want to feel good and look good in my body. What it really came down to was that I wanted to be beautiful. I wanted to be seen as beautiful. And that was so vulnerable for me to admit for so many reasons. Part of it was that I hadn't gotten that much reinforcement of that in my life. It was rare that people called me handsome or good-looking or gorgeous or beautiful. Men typically aren't called those things as often. Maybe they get called hot or handsome or good-looking. That's usually about it. So I hadn't gotten that kind of reinforcement, and the insecure parts of myself was worried that I just wasn't, that I wasn't beautiful that I wasn't going to be, and that there was nothing I would be able to do about it, even if I were to focus on my clothes, 
get a little bit more in shape, get a little bit healthier in some respects, pay more attention to it. I was worried that I was never going to get there. And what I was missing was that I'm already there. It can be confronting to say that to yourself. I am already beautiful. I already deserve to decorate my body. I inhabit this body, which is a miracle. My body is the only one like it in the world. There will never be another person who has this exact body. There will never be another person who looks just the way that I look. There'll never be another person who knows my body like I know my body. So this body is a vessel for my entire experience. This is the only thing in the world that I can truly say belongs to me. Everything that happens in my reality filters through the sensation in this body, through this body's ability to interpret what's happening. And that's beautiful. No matter who you are, that's beautiful. You are a unique and powerful being and you deserve to be recognized. You deserve to be celebrated. You deserve to be decorated. You deserve to treat yourself. You deserve to spend money on yourself. You deserve to have nice things and fine things, things that bring you pleasure. This is your birthright. People have been doing this since before we were recognizable as who we are today. It goes as far back as culture goes. So how do we start to work with this as men? How do we start to overcome some of those boundaries? How do we start to make a little bit more space for our feeling aesthetic selves? Of course, one of the easiest solutions is to spend a little bit more time on it. If you struggle buying clothes, ask a friend. We all have a friend who loves shopping. So ask someone who's really enthusiastic to help you. Someone who will be excited to help you reimagine what you could do, what you could be. And the next thing I would recommend is if you do go clothes shopping, try to expand your horizons. Try to step one layer further outside of what you're used to. Maybe it's wearing a style that you think is, oh, that's a little too trendy for me, or that's a little too professional for me, or that's a little too whatever, too colorful. I don't usually wear that many colors. I want to encourage men to start wearing more colors. Just try it out. See how it feels. See what kind of a response you get. You don't have to spend a lot of money doing this either. You can go thrifting. A lot of times it's not money that's holding us back from trying a different expression. Sometimes it is, right? Sometimes decoration does mean that you want to buy jewelry or you want to buy a really nice bag. You want to get something that you can't really get without spending money. So sometimes the edge is prioritizing that. Sometimes the edge is saying, I need to save up a little bit of money to do this. And ordinarily, I wouldn't spend my money on this because it feels frivolous. But I'm going to do that because it's going to be a gift to myself. It's going to be something that's, that will bring me pleasure, something that will help me to feel like I'm expressing myself and living the life that I want to express. So even though there's an incredible amount of advertising out there, which is trying to convince you to do exactly that and to feel exactly that way, you can do it for yourself. It's okay. When it's coming from a genuine desire to explore yourself and celebrate yourself, it's different. It's okay to want that. So that's one of the easiest ways. Another thing is I would encourage men to look at their spaces. You can start with your room, your bedroom, and look around and think, what would I like in here? What's another thing I could add to my space that would help me to feel relaxed? What's a color that I like? When I see that color, I feel soothed. 
go looking for that. If you're open to some plant husbandry, you could maybe get some plants for your room. That's a very easy way to start making your environment feel more beautiful and more alive and more relaxing. I would also encourage you to start paying attention to other people in your life and see how they're decorating themselves and see if you could learn something. If someone's doing something that you like or if someone's better at something than you are, steal it. Learn how to do it the way they do it. There's no shame in that. So that's level one in approaching this. This is some of the low-hanging fruit for men to start doing this work. But really, the deeper work is making an assessment on a fundamental level about what it is that you want and how that differs from what you've been doing in the way that you've been. What I encourage men to do is something quite a bit more radical than this. It's doing the actual work of self-exploration to see what's inside of me. What wants to get expressed that's not getting expressed? What are the things in my life that I feel envious about or that I feel jealous about with other people that can give me some clue as to a part of my expression that's being neglected or a part of myself that I'm not honoring or a part of who I could be that I'm not nurturing myself towards? So how do we do this work? The first thing is I want to encourage you to just develop an attitude of mindfulness about it. Try to remind yourself to walk through the world with an openness to seeing these things. What you'll find when you start doing this is that there will be hooks, little things that you see other people doing, and you'll start to notice that you want those things too. Or you'll start to notice that you have judgments about them. Maybe you think, oh, I wouldn't wear that color with that color, right? And that might be a surprise to you. Maybe you didn't really realize that that was something that you had access to or that was available to you. Maybe you don't realize that you actually have an opinion about that. You can use these moments to inform yourself about where you could grow, what you would like to grow into as far as your expression. So you can collect a lot of information out in the world and through your day-to-day -day life. Another exercise I would recommend is journaling. A lot of self-learning and self-work can happen through journaling, which is why I recommend it to everybody. I don't do it every day, but I have it there when I need it, and journaling has been an indispensable part of my personal development journey over the years. And it's perfect for stuff like this. So another exercise I recommend is to crack open your journal and start to write about what you like, what appeals to you aesthetically. How would you like to look? What clothes would you like to wear? What's something that is one step further along than where you are right now? Maybe it's a fashion that you would like to lean into that you can't quite yet. Maybe it's something that is going to cost a little bit more money than you've spent in the past and you need to lean into that. Maybe it's an edge, like going to a different barber shop. Maybe it's just pushing yourself to spend the time and the effort to do a little bit more shopping. Maybe there's some shame, some internal dialogue, which feels really uncomfortable, which needs to be challenged, which needs to be teased out, which needs to be invited and understood. This is often at the root of our resistance to doing stuff like this, is that we have some internal monologue some internal story or programming, which is constantly feeding us limiting beliefs. So writing down these limiting beliefs and getting more clear on them is a great place to start in this process. 
This is another reason I recommend therapy. Therapists are great at helping us to dig into this, helping us to dive deeper about the programs that we're running with, the programs that are running us and deciding our behavior. Another exercise I've found very valuable is what I would describe as mirror work. So this is simple. You go in your bathroom or you go in front of your mirror in your bedroom. It's a good idea to do this when you're alone, when you can have some privacy. So stand in front of a mirror and look at yourself and see how you feel. What is the voice in your mind telling you about yourself? What's coming up? What are the feelings that emerge? Are you feeling critical about your skin? Do you notice your posture isn't very good? Do you notice yourself wishing that you looked a different way? Do you notice that you get some feeling in your body? Maybe something very basic even, just anxiety or some fundamental discomfort even with just trying the exercise. It can be quite uncomfortable to look yourself in the eye for any length of time. There's a radical kind of acceptance which comes from spending more time looking at yourself and sitting with the feelings that come up. So I highly encourage this practice. The longer you do it, the more profound it becomes. But you can start with just a few minutes a day, looking in the mirror and noticing what comes up. The next level for this is starting to address it. If you have feelings, negative feelings, you can start to work with those. You can start to ask yourself where those feelings come from. You can start to talk to yourself in more compassionate ways about those feelings. So instead of saying, oh, my nose is so big, or I look so fat, or my skin tone is so uneven, or whatever it is, whatever the criticism is, you can start to say things like, I'm noticing that I'm feeling a judgment about the way that I look, and it doesn't feel good. I don't like talking to myself in that way. I want to change the way that I feel about this. I want to change the way that I approach this part of my body. How can I celebrate who I am instead of talking myself down? How can I recognize the beauty which is there instead of focusing on some superficial thing that feels really negative? It's probably something we wouldn't have even noticed if other people in our lives hadn't pointed it out. People with mean intent or jealousy pointing it out. So oftentimes these aren't even our stories, they're other people's stories that we're up against. So this work can bring a great reward, not just in the potentially more superficial aspects of your life, such as how you look, but in the deeper notion of how you feel about yourself, the deeper notion of how you want to show up in the world and express yourself and live your life. What I want to emphasize here more than anything is that beauty is a feeling. Beauty is not a being. It's not a physical thing. Beauty is an experience. So when we look at something or when we hear something, when we taste something, when we experience something that we think is beautiful, it's a feeling of pleasure in our bodies. And when a person is feeling beauty, they will be beautiful. When a person is experiencing their own beauty, then that beauty will be noticeable to other people. We don't all need to look like movie stars in order to be beautiful. We don't all need to be fit in order to be beautiful. We don't need to be healthy to be beautiful. We don't need to match society's convention around what beauty is to be beautiful. Being beautiful is more about feeling beautiful. It's more about recognizing beauty. It's more about clearing space for the natural beauty that exists in ourselves 
to be shown and to be known and to be celebrated. That is the foundation of beauty. So my invitation to you is to start creating beauty around you, to start recognizing it where it exists, and to start recognizing the places in which we can nurture it and bring it out. I encourage you to surround yourself with people who make you feel beautiful. Surround yourself with things, objects, items, clothes, decorations that make you and your space feel beautiful. And when you do this over time, you'll notice a transformation in how you feel, how you hold yourself, how you carry yourself in the world, and how you experience your life. So that's my vote for beauty today. I hope this conversation has inspired something in you or shaken something loose. Thank you for listening for another week. And I'll look forward to catching you next time.